Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, a channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for joining us for this uh, latest game chat and latest Kickstarter preview. Tis the season for Kickstarters, despite the shipping woes and despite all the supply chain blah, 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 that's happening. We still have project launching uh, big and small. Today, we have a smaller project for you, but still a, a valuable project because we love games and we love gaming of all shapes and sizes. Uh, I am happy to welcome two alumni of Shelf Stories, in particular of the Voices episodes that I have done. Uh, for the Black Content Creators panel, uh, we have the designer of the latest Kickstarter project, which is Wicked and Wise. We'll get into that in just a second. But let me introduce this fabulous person. Lots of designs hitting in uh, over the next uh, little while. Um, so we're going to hear from her more and more often. It is for Tessa Elise. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on. All right. Excited to be here. Uh, again, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, also returning, she was on the Lat uh, Latino Latina uh, content creators panel. Uh, she is the uh, one of the artists that contributed to this project and also uh, got an early look at it. We'll just talk about the game uh, and some other things uh, surrounding that after we get through that. Uh, but she is Estefania Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about Wicked and Wise uh, and a new trick-taking game that is launching on Kickstarter from Weird Giraffe Games, our friend Carla Cop, who was on my old podcast, Every Night is Game Night, frequently. So whenever she has a new project, I try to make some time to, you know, give a little bit of shine to that. Uh, after that, um, we uh, want to talk a, a little bit about, you know, just how it's going, especially as, um, you know, like we're not talking about 20-year veterans over here. We're talking about people who are on the hustle. Uh, making it happen and how that looks in 2021 where we're out of COVID, there's cons going on, there's cons going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, how that looks in terms of building those relationships kind of post COVID and how the board game community looks from the perspective of, of folks who are, you know, still making our way. Uh, so we're going to definitely uh, get, get that. But we're going to do uh, at the beginning, uh, the sell, sell, sell. This is the one-stop co-op shop, but uh, so it's not a pure cooperative game, but there are partners. It is a uh, trick-taking uh, partner-based game, so I'm going to count that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Peter Gooses, who listens to the show, loves his trick-taking games as well. So hi, Peter. Uh, we have another <laughs> trick-taking game for you if you're interested. So we are going to talk about Wicked and Wise, new project on the, the channel. I'm going to let Fertessa take it away. What are we getting if we back Wicked and Wise? So if you back Wicked and Wise, you are getting a team-based partnering game. And um, if you've ever played spades or hearts, um, you think of that, but each partner has a different role. So you have one partner who plays as a dragon who is in charge of like making these tricks um, and taking them by playing the highest cards. But the other partner is the mouse and they are more in charge of supporting their partner and kind of mm. stacking their hand with better cards. So imagine the dragon starting with maybe the, the lower cards and the mouse can get like the really high um, cards that can help them win the trick. Um, and instead of like the objective being just to win all the tricks, you have different goals each round. 
So maybe you only want to win exactly two tricks or maybe mm. you want to win tricks so that you only win with certain suits. Um, so you've got those things at play um, while you make your way through the game. And then at the end of the game, the team that has the most gold, because dragons love gold, uh, will <laughs> win the game. I mean, they love halflings. You could have done halfling meat or whatever it was. <laughs> But I wanted dragons and mice because they're super cute. Oh, well, the mice are, and uh, and it plays two to six players, which mm. is um, something that's really fun because um, it started off with just four players, um, but we were able to develop it to the point where you could go from two to six. So, so really how did you about that? How did you pull off a two-player partner trick-taking game? <laughs> so um, there is a role called a dual role where you are actually playing as both the mouse and the dragon. And like normally all the hands are obscured, but what happens is um, both players are dragons and they share an open mouse hand. Mm. Um, so you can, it's, there's some interesting gameplay there where you can kind of set up how the other person plays because you have to follow suit. Um, so that version gets really thinky and, you know, you ever seen the big mind kind of meme? That's how you feel whenever you play the two-player mode. Um, mm -hmm. I would not recommend it for the learning mode, for the learning game. But once you know how things work, absolutely. I love the two-player game. So then two players is more like, like that's a cooperative game, mm -hmm. right? Well, they're still competing against each other. Oh, they're competing. Okay. So like they have the mm -hmm. shared mouse hand and yep. you're competing like it's like one little mouse is like passing along yeah exactly <laughs> that's a very different feel that than, than a yes. partner's game okay <laughs> okay um estefania you designed the logo i believe yeah yeah i did the logo and i did play test the game too which is really good yeah say. so yeah tell us about it tell us about your impressions of uh, wicked and wise yeah so one of the things that i actually told for test i was like yeah yeah i'll help you play test you yeah. know I don't like trick-taking games, so I went in with, I was like, you know, I'm going to do my best to give, you know, good feedback and stuff like that, but just by nature, I just kind of don't like them. However, what, well, what's wrong with them? Before we get to that, what what do you find not so great about trick-takers? I don't know. I just, I don't like that mechanic of, like, having to try to win them. I, I don't know how to explain it besides that. Um, it just doesn't seem fun whether I win it or not. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, well, it's, 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 it can be random. It's like, oh, I happen yeah. to have the I happen to have the right card. Yep. Look at that. And it's yeah. funny because I do like randomness in games. I just there's something in that that I just don't particularly like. So when I went to play test, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll play and stuff like that. But I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel. Um, and then I played it, and I had a lot of fun. And I think it's because of that dual thing. Because I got to play with uh, another person who was my partner, who was my mouse, um, <laughs> and um, it was just a different. Um, let me count it, but I mean it is. But it's a it's a different feel to play with someone in that kind of game, and that made it more fun for me. And I, again, I played the dragon, and I want to play again, but I want to play as the mouse because I think that's going to be like my highest of like liking the game, like because the mouse has a different role their role is not trick-taking in a sense, right? Like it, that's more of the dragon. Um, so I think being able to help my partner is probably what would be the most fun for me. So even though I don't like trick-taking games, I feel like if you don't, you can still play the game and have fun because it isn't a 
traditionally a traditional trick picking game in a sense, but it definitely is in that realm. So what uh, in because you were nodding before about like you know uh, you know it could be a little lucky. Is that kind mm-hmm. of what inspired this design for Tessa? Like you wanted something that had a little bit more kind of mitigation back and forth. No, um, it was actually inspired by me trying to design a cooperative game that I would find fun. Um, what? Oh my God, <laughs> you're on the one-stop cooperative shop. Don't say that out loud, what are you doing? I know, I can't believe she said that. What? Yes, yes, <laughs> I know. But there's so many games I haven't played yet. So, you know. We'll find um, something for Tessa, we'll find something. so much time. I got so much yeah. on here, that's all co-op, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and so I think, um, for me, solving the puzzle of a co-op isn't as interesting as it is like figuring out how to work with another player sure. with and, and kind of trusting them to do their part. So that got me thinking down the lines of like spades and how you have to trust your partner, even though you don't know what's in their hand. You have to trust them to play what's good for the team and right. hopefully set you up or you set them up so that you can swoop in and win the trick. So I wanted to make some sort of a game where each person had their independent role, because also in cooperative games, the ones that I did really, um, my, my interest was kept was whenever you had these different roles and that character was unique, like say Dead of Winter. um, And, you know, only that character could do that thing or they were good at that thing. And that made me feel good Mm -hmm. or like my choices mattered. Yeah. So I wanted Captain Sonar is a big one. So you have you played Captain Sonar? Mm-hmm. Captain Sonar is like the, it's it's like an eight player game. That's all you got, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're you're in a submarine, and each player has a role. So yeah. like you know, what one person is shouting about like where the enemy is, one person in charge of the weapons, and everybody has yeah. their own little role, and we're kind of like, and that's all like um like coordinated. You have to like coordinate that stuff. Mm-hmm. So in real time, so it gets really chaotic. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, there's actually not a, not a think about. There's not a lot of like most of the co-op games are puzzles. They're basically solo yeah. games that they, they're blown out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of games that A, do the limited thing where you have your own mm-hmm. private hand and B, yeah. give you the, 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 the separate avatar with separate yeah. kind of yeah. power and motif. So you're really mm-hmm. doing something over there. Well, well <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm really excited about it because, you know, by having your separate roles, you can process it in your hand. You can process it at your speed and right. um, pick the role that you feel comfortable with. Because I have played with a, a few people who don't enjoy trick taking. So they like taking on the mouse role because um, ah, the, there she the, is. The, She's a, I, that was me too. I, mean, I don't, I, I only play trick takers because everybody plays trick takers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was like, all right, you know, all right, fine. Everybody knows this and we'll play this. I, I don't enjoy them, but like, it'd be nice to step into something. Like I'm a, I'm a natural cleric. So I was like, here you go. Have some, yeah. have giant tricks and have a, uh, you know, I'll set you up. That's great. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the cards that you use are um, dual purpose. So they'll have the number and the suit in one end, but on the bottom, they have abilities. So you're using the same cards, but you're paying attention to different parts of it, depending on your role. Um, so it's really cool to kind of set up your partner and, um, you know, just enjoy different aspects of the game. Um, sure. So I'm, I'm really excited to see um, people get their hands on it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what are we looking at for um, the Kickstarter is launching soon? Yes. Uh, August 10th. 
August 10th. That we should be. Uh, I, I think this will be a couple days after with the after launch. So like you know, just go over to the Kickstarter page and then you know uh, see if you see if this is the right project for you. Uh, is there anything yeah. else that either of you would like to share about the project before we move, before we move on? Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say it's a it's a great game. Like like I genuinely being honest that I don't like trick taking games and I genuinely had fun with this. And the next time I want to play as a mouse because I think it's it's just it's just perfect. Like you said before, you know you have your own hand. You don't necessarily you can you don't have to solve the same puzzle. You're just coordinating with each other and trying to do the best what you think is the best for the game for the team. Um, and that's the aspect that I really like about it. So go get it. You're going to regret it if you don't. You're going to regret Stephane it. would have found a way to not be on this call if she didn't like this game. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, you know what? I grabbed my pen, so I have to pick it up. I can't be in this meeting. <laughs> go ahead, Francesca. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, Yes. So one thing that uh, I'm shouting from the rooftops is we were so, so lucky to get Beth Sobel to do the art for this game. And she mm-hmm. really brought everything to life, even just like the suits. I had very low expectations for what kind of theme we would put on it, like what, what we were going to do and, and um, that she was, able, actually, was actually able to um, contribute to this and, and, and really just make the best dragon in the dress, the best mouse one could ever ask for um makes me so happy um just mm-hmm. to look at the cards so yeah <laughs> well there are people that back just on her name alone you know it's like ooh, mm-hmm. bet so did something here we go we're doing that they're gonna get duels they're gonna get like awesome bats and awesome <laughs> like you, you can't beat that can't beat it it's always a nice surprise for me i'll get a game and then i'll open the thing and it'll be like beth sobel and i was like that makes sense. I really like this. It's just <laughs> he did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, I, I I really hope that you'll at least check it out. Um, we're gonna have some how to plays and some reviews coming in for the Kickstarter, so hopefully you can easily get to those. Um, but absolutely, it has two to six players, and the modes feel differently depending, as I described with the the two-player mode, Um, but there's a lot of variety depending on your player count, and, you know, even if traitors aren't necessarily your thing, um, still definitely look into it because it does play differently, and you can take on that, like, support role as the mouse, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is also very fun. Very cool. That was Wicked and Wise. Go ahead and check out the Kickstarter link in the show notes uh, down below. It should be live as this program uh, is live. And if you if you like what you hear gameplay wise, then please go ahead and check it out. But if you also just want to back because these are two amazing people, uh, and that's exactly why I wanted to have them on the show. Like some, I'll do that sometimes. Like, oh wow, this person's back in the Kickstarter. Back. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> Taking unback. No, I'm <laughs> All right, so let's get to know them a little bit more. You heard, again, uh, you, they've been on my show and you've seen them on other shows as well. Um, but they, I believe that uh, both um, Estefania and Fratessa, you both have um, positions in the industry now. Yeah. Yeah, and these, this yes. is like relatively new in the last little while that you've, that you've got, that got your positions? I'm, I'm the newest um, one from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, about so, nine uh, months for me. Well, that to me, that's like, 
yeah. <laughs> you know, relative to some people who've like, oh, I've been doing this for two, three, three, three. yeah, yeah, nine yeah. months. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, introduce <laughs> us. We'll start with Estefania. Uh, what? So uh, tell us about your new position. Yeah, so um, I started mine uh, in March, so I think that's like that's five, six months. I'm not sure how to count anymore. Um, but I'm an art producer at uh, Funko Games. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting working on these projects. Uh, for Tessa, sits, I, I want to say three or four feet away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she, so we, you know, we get to see each other every day. We talk, we laugh, uh, we cry together. Sure. Aww. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's been really fun kind of being in the industry uh, in this kind of role. Uh, I've never been an art producer before. Um, uh, I'm usually a game designer, graphic designer. Um, so this is, it's been interesting, but really fun. And I'm learning a lot too. Mm-hmm. I remember when the, when the announcement came about your position at Funko Pacific, but, but uh, tell the peoples, uh, what are you doing over there? Yes, uh, I am a game producer at Funko Games, and I've been doing it for like nine months now, coming up on that year, anytime. And uh, yes, I, I, I get to um, both kind of keep the, the games on, on track, kind of like a project manager, but at the same time, you get to like dip your hands in so many different pots. Um, so I'm also um, helping designing games and um, it's just super fun. Like there's so many different miniature challenges. Like just yesterday, I learned how to spray paint. Oh, so <laughs> it, it's just, it's very, it's very interesting. You never know what you're going to do day to day. I mean, you know what you're going to do, but you never know what's going to be thrown at you. So. Yeah. So, you know, being, you know, newer in the industry and rising up, I wanted to just, you know, check in and see, like, how is it going? Like, what does the game industry look like kind of as we emerge from COVID? Uh, How are you, do you feel like you're able to kind of stay connected to the industry? Do you feel like those pipelines are open or has it been a little bit of a struggle in terms of, you know, feeling connected with, you know, the industry, you know, getting the ins and outs, you know, uh, and especially, you know, from you know, breaking in, people want to, like, you know, I got a lot of people's like, I want to break into the industry. There's like, you know, with a board games reviewer and media, um, designer forums, a lot of people are, they are asking that question. It's like, you know, what is it like? How do I do it? And I feel like, you know, I'm talking to two women who are a couple steps in and, you know, we can uh, maybe, you know, talk to some of those people who are kind of brand new, let them know mm-hmm. your experience, see how it's going. So uh, is anybody, uh, uh, for Tess, do you have any uh, opening thoughts uh, on that one? Sure. Um, I was actually one of those people that was posting on forums, trying to figure out how to get into the industry. And I didn't imagine that was something that was possible for me because I was very new until like much, 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 much later in my career. There were a couple of decades in there. Ah, okay. um, so I just... Uh, I, I would say that the biggest catalyst to me being able to get to this place was me putting myself out there um, because I did post on forums trying to figure out how how do the people that are currently in the industry get there. Um, I posted on Twitter, on Facebook groups, um, and different people would answer different ways. So I, I got in, involved with rule book editing. I got involved with um, any sort of thing that I could volunteer for, uh, working with the, the online conventions and things like that. Um, and even just speaking up like that in groups and, 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 and joining different um, discussion groups, 
that was what put me in contact with different people and kind of widened my network. And so whenever I did decide to move to, when I did decide to move to Seattle, um, one of those people who had remembered that I was moving to Seattle and was looking uh, for something within the industry reached out to me and, and you know, set up an interview. And that was how I was able to, you know, really get my foot in the door as far as um, producing. But it was only because I knocked on every door possible, left a note, you know, and just tried to make myself seen um, because I did not know who needed to see me. So cast the net wide, just like throw it all out there. It's like someone's going to see me. (laughs) Yeah, it's like there's nothing to be ashamed of. And you just... people can't help you if they don't know you need help. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll get to that little bit of shame in just a second, Uh, but I wanted to get to Estefania. So did you have a similar path of, you know, that kind of casting that wide net and being seen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, I I, I played games before um, the pandemic, like board games and stuff like that, Uh, but I wasn't too deep into it. And then when the pandemic hit, there's nothing to do but figure out what to do in the house. (laughs) You know, like you have to find things. Uh, and that's kind of where I dove in into the gaming community because I figured what time better than this when everyone's kind of online. And look, just like for Tessa, I became, uh, I tried to do anything and everything I could um, in playtesting groups. I, uh, you know, uh, I became a mod in two different playtesting groups. So one of them was Break mm-hmm. My Game um, and the other one was the uh, Seattle uh, game designer one. That's a really um, underrated one because it's not that hard to become a mod. Yeah, it's it's those are both great ones. And I really I learned a lot from that. I played everyone's and anyone's game that I could. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that, that I was thinking when you were talking about that stuff, like one of the things that I did, uh, and you know, like you, be nice, be helpful. Like that's like that simple to get to get people to talk to you, to get people to be connect with you. If you're nice, like if you're kind and you're helpful, you know, if you play their game and give them genuine feedback, if, you know, that kind of stuff matters. That kind of stuff helps because the moment you help someone, they're like, oh, I want to help them back, you know, because you feel like you got something um, from them in a sense, right? And not everyone wants to help. And you would think that that's like, not common but it is common sometimes like people don't want to help other ones but when you do help the good ones you know they you, you get a response and you really people really attach to you and and that's kind of how you grow a little community of your own and you know you get to know people and you, you keep connecting with people and that's really how I got to where I was just I did hundreds of hours and like a few months of playtesting I talked with more people than I can remember I played with people all over the world, New Zealand, Australians, um, oh my God, Europeans, Latin America, like anyone and everyone. Um, and that really helps, you know, broaden your horizons with uh, not just people themselves, but like how people design and how people create and that kind of stuff really um, led to somewhere uh, for me at the end. You know, I, I got laid off from my job uh, when I worked in Las Vegas and I kind of put out a call, kind of like this was saying, you know, if you don't let people know that you need help and no one's going to help you. And I kind of put it out there. I was like, hey, you know, I got laid off. If there's anyone who needs a graphic designer 
or something like that, you know, reach out to me. And I got like three gigs from that, like graphic mm-hmm. design wise. And that's how I got Wicked and Wise. That's how I got to do a logo for her, uh, which at that time, I didn't know it was going to be for Tessa's game. Carla just reached out to me and it, it was logo work. And I was like, cool. And then later on, yeah, and then I was like, oh, it's for Tessa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so that was, that was really cool. Um, and then after that, you know, it applied to Funko and stuff like that and all that. Um, all that time that I spent connecting people helped. Mm-hmm. So um, every once in a while, and this was a thread that just happened a couple of days ago, uh, the dreaded sense of imposter syndrome comes mm-hmm. up. And so like that, that, that feeling that like, because as you were talking, for Tessa, um, bo- both mm-hmm. of you, but uh, really as for Tessa was talking in terms of like, you know, being seen, that's like mm-hmm. the last thing mm-hmm. some people want. And mm-hmm. they feel like, you know, if they post, especially if they're newer, that, yeah. eh, you know, if I put myself out there, but then they talk to me and I disappoint them, then I'm like even further back than I've started. And you get that mental just hamster wheel spinning. Yeah. And so Tell me a little bit about that experience. Like, did you did you have to go through that? Did you have to kind of like mm-hmm. go through process your imposter syndrome in order to be able mm-hmm. to get to that scene point, or was it you know just I want this so bad I'm gonna you know just go for it? How did it play out for mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Um, so for me, I very strongly am an introvert, and um, I think my love for games has helped me push past where. Um, I'm comfortable and, and like really expand that so that a lot of people think that I might be an extrovert. That's a trick. That's not true. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm with you for Tessa. I am, once this camera goes off, we're going to bed, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Like don't believe the hype. Um, yep. But I would say that that imposter syndrome it actually set in a lot more whenever it was within person events. Mm. Um, I was always comfortable um, creating discussions and, and talking online because that was just like, that was how I expressed myself with all the things that I enjoyed, all my geek stuff. So I was comfortable being seen through a screen versus um, being seen in person where I had to actually play test and flag people down. And Hey, I think that I'm good enough that you should spend your time playing my game, please. And <laughs> thank you. Um, so fighting through that was the hardest thing for me. Um, and it took, it took probably a year and a half of play testing um, from that. But I would say that the support that I felt from um like my digital ventures where um, I, I started to make connections online and, and, you know, try to participate in these um, online game design um, contests, things like that, that helped me kind of feel a little bit better because what was, what started happening was I started to see returns on like my digital um, explorations um, because I put myself out there on the, uh, the online contests and because I made a, a work in progress diary on BGG, um, people remembered the name of my game, Book of Villainy, which is my first game. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that constantly came up when they saw it at a convention, people will walk up on their own and be like, oh, I recognize that name. Actually, I, I, I've been wanting to try that. Um, so that happening was what really helped ease me into feeling more comfortable about being seen because um, I was able to get that kind of feedback. And, and again, 
this also combined with just me loving board games that much that I just had to bite the bullet and keep doing mm-hmm. it. Um, I also went to art school. So I was used to kind of harsh critique for the sake of like doing a thing. Um, so that maybe kind of desensitized me a little bit um, and then helped me to ease forward that way. But that was um, how I kind of got more comfortable with being seen, even if like inside, I felt like I wasn't quite where I needed to be. It was mm-hmm. the publisher and the, the publisher aspect that probably I drug my feet on the longest. <laughs> uh, similar journey, Stefania, or a little bit different? Yeah, you know, one thing that I think has to happen for you to, you know, as a person to do these kinds of things and get yourself out there for me to be fearless. Uh, that doesn't mean to not be fearful. Like the way I see it, not, not fearful, like uh, there's something to fear, but like you can be scared, you know, doing something. You can be scared of putting yourself out there, but you have to put that in a bag for a little bit and act fearless and go forward and meet people and feel that awkwardness. And then when all of that's done and you go home, it's, you know, it's, you're back to safety in a sense, right? And, and it's okay that that fear may still be there, but when you act fearless and you get yourself, uh, try to get yourself out of like, your comfort zone, I think that um, is really what helps you move forward. Because uh, like, like both of you, I'm not really, uh, I'm pretty shy. Uh, a lot of the times and I try to do my best to not be like that but you know um, that's when I, I put that's why I say like I put my little fear in the back and I hold it there so it's it's still part of me but I try to push forward and push through all of those feelings and because of it I've met a lot of wonderful people like both of you like seriously like people like you um, who are great and uh, friendly and funny um, and that I hope Aww. to Jason, I hope to meet you in person one day for Tessa. I have met, uh, obviously, she's right behind me. It's about 3,500 um, miles, so we'll figure that out at some point. Yeah, it, it will happen. It will happen. But, um, yeah, just being fearless is the, the best thing that I can tell you to, to try to do in order to get yourself out there and just be seen. I think it's like... Um... You you're not gonna get, you're not gonna be fearless. I think that people get that into that trap of like I if I have fear, that's an indicator, that's a problem, right? It's like and they sense that fear. It's like okay, I, I, if I have fear, if I have a fear, this then like that fear must be based on something. It must be based on uh, that I'm not like crappy. But like our brains lie all the time. Like our brains Absolutely. have like our brains have a default to safety, like a default to safety. Mm-hmm. And like doing a, a risky thing, any risky thing is going to tickle. The back of our brains, but then you kind of access. I love how you said, Francesca, like, I love games so much, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you don't want to say, like, I'm a, I'd be afraid to not be in games, but like, it kind of is. It's like, I don't want that. I don't want to not be here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to use that rocket fuel. I don't want to be here to rocket past this vestigial fear that shouldn't even be there, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's just there as like a, as a, as a, as an automatic mechanism. Like, I just have to, I just have to blast past that to get what I want. And honestly, to get what the gaming community needs, like the game, like we've talked about this many times, the game community needs these faces, you know, and thank, thank goodness. <laughs> so then, um, so then, you know, now that we're, we're here now, we have, now we, you know, it's, it's post COVID and the cons you mentioned before cons opening up, you mentioned before the in-person experience, is that, you know, how's that going for you? Are you looking forward to that? Or is that kind of, uh, 
or, you know, I, either on the COVID end, but just like, you know, taking those next steps in the industry because there's always, you know, ladders to climb. So how do you feel? I'll go with the Estefania first. I've been going on for Tessa first. So I'll go to. Um, I would say it's not uh, post-COVID. I'd say it's post-lockdown because okay. we're not in lockdown anymore. Yeah. But COVID yeah. is very Thank much you very much alive. for clarifying. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, how do I feel about being in this time? Um, you know, you're saying content kind of happening, but kind of, you know, it's it's very tricky, tricky stage right now for all those things. I myself uh, am not fully comfortable with going to events like that. Uh, I used to go to cons all of the time. Um, so I know what it's like to be close to so many people. And I'm already kind of uncomfortable with that sometimes. So I think that extra layer for me is hard. But it does affect my way of thinking because I'm like, well, if I don't go, I won't network. I won't meet anyone. I won't know what's the latest and greatest, you know. So that I know that does affect. But thankfully, the Internet helps us be closer together and those kinds of things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not comfortable going out and stuff like that, you can still, I mean, you can still network, you can still be in the industry and be part of the community, but just being online, I mean, that's how I got started and that's what I do and what I did. Um, so there's, you know, you don't have to be there in person just to have a better chance. It's just a different chance. It's just, it's just another uh, way to get there. But It does um, feel a little bit harder. No, like yeah. it is, like this is a, there's a higher degree of difficulty doing the as much networking as you would maybe want or need to, you know, as as an outsider, you know, because yeah. this is like it's Zoom. Like I thank God for Zoom. We love Zoom, but like oh, <laughs> it's so hard. I, I I get off. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like I'm, I'm my best self on this thing. So for sure, mm-hmm. I think there's there's pros and and cons to both things, um, you know. And right now the way we're in you kind of have to take what you can um and choose what you want to do because um who knows when everything will be you know i don't want to say back to normal because i don't think we're going ever to be back where we used to be it could be a new normal yeah. um and i think it's just yeah a new normal is a better way to put it you know um so i don't know where we're going to be in a stage where everyone's more comfortable traveling and comfortable being at cons but in meeting new people because that's really hard in general and now meeting new people with COVID around it makes it extra hard, uh, for sure. So it'll, it'll be, yeah, it, you know, it might be a while, but there's ways for, for one to be involved in the community and get to know people and, uh, and learn. How about you, Fratessa? How are you feeling uh, towards the end of the year? We're, we're going to get those cons fired up. Is that a, your prime <laughs> networking thing? Is that, I was actually talking to Jay. Jay Bell is also mm-hmm. a contributor on the project, and he says he's going to everything because he's yeah. trying to get his game signed. And, yeah. you know, and, he, and that even as a comfortable or uncomfortable as it feels like, I mean, this is, I got to get my game signed <laughs> is that kind yeah. of impulse. So where, where are you at with all that? Uh, for me, I'm not in any rush. Um, I, I'm kind of like in this very cautious stage where I'm seeing, you know, what precedents are going to be set. Um, but I've always, um, been cautious with conventions anyway because concrete is real mm-hmm. um so i had already established like a routine to keep myself in relatively good health and should i attend a convention i'm just gonna like doubly emphasize that um <laughs> i will instead of you know making sure i go to bed by midnight i'll make sure maybe i'm in there by eight o'clock 
what do I need to do? I go, you know, get dinner, um, you know, wash my hands after every game, mm-hmm. um, not eat at any board gaming table or share anybody's food, um, wear my mask, like things like that. If I do attend the convention, then I'm just going to be on kind of a high alert. I would only really want to attend it, attend it, attend it for social functions of mm-hmm. like meeting people that I've been talking to for the last year, two years, it feels like, um, and just kind of touch base and, and play games I haven't played before. But again, even if I did that, it would be in a very minimal level. Like, hey, can we just the four of us go over here, not in the hall of thousands of people and just play in this corner and then, you know, take my distance, maybe go to the hotel room, something like that. And then also the convention that I am looking at is like way further out, like six months or so. Um, Which so that one is the tantrum con. So it's a tantrum smaller con. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was in South Carolina, but I believe this year they moved it to North Carolina. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I would really just kind of emphasize the social and, um, the, the kind of touching base that, you know, you're not across from me, like you're across from me, you're not through a screen, just mm-hmm. kind of enjoying that part, but still being very cautious. So neither of you really feel that pressure. You feel like you're both comfortable kind of where you're at, you know, yeah. it doesn't need to be that kind of like, well, I'm, you know, I, I, if I, you know, got to grab my opportunity or you got to go for it, got to make it happen or else it won't happen. You're able to kind of like ease off, which I think is a good message to get out to people. Cause I think that mm-hmm. people can, can be impatient with some of this. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, like, like, you know, both my guests are in the industry employed by the industry. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of slack, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, they're not that far away from all of us, right? For you know, sure. they're, they're you still, know. you know, breaking in and they're, and they're able to be a little bit patient. Go ahead. And you know, the thing to add, because, you know, so we're here for, you now for Tessa's game that's getting published and it's awesome. Um, I have my own game and it's, I have no intention of getting it published soon. Uh, you know, I was going to do a Kickstarter and stuff like that. But uh, even though I really want my game to be out there, for me right now, I, that is not my priority. Um, and it's not just because of the new job. It really is a thing where, like, if I can't fully commit to it to go to cons and stuff like that, because I know that's what I need to do, uh, because I'm not comfortable yet, and I know that I'm like, okay, so then it just has to wait. Hmm. I, I wish I could take it. I wish I could go and get it published uh, with someone or, you know, self-published. But um, to me, n- not that there's anything wrong if you go to the con and you go put your game out there that's that's awesome. You know, everyone has their own road. Um, but if you're just more cautious, I, I think for me, I'm, you know, I'm holding on, uh, I'm holding off from doing that. And, and But one day I will move forward with it um, because I, it's my game and I, I want it out there, you know. It'll still be there. The, the game, the games don't expire like milk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the game will still be, the game will still be just as awesome either way it's two years or whatever it is down the road. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, any last words, you know, I, I think we're, we're talking to people who are kind of newer in the industry or just kind of curious uh, about that, you know, um, any last words for people? I mean, this has a general, like, don't be afraid to be seen. Is that, the, is that kind of the, 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 the take home or is there a little bit of a mix? On <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good one. Um, and I, the only thing I would take to uh, add is um, ask questions, you know, don't be afraid to For me, I would say that um, I read this book um, a couple of months ago that um, 
made me very aware of like what I was doing and, and how to get myself in a better state, a mental state um, when it came to my game designs. And it's that your brain spends so much time sending negative things, like mm-hmm. just internally, you shoot down your own ideas or you say, oh, mm-hmm. don't, why'd you do that stupid? Or, you know, you insult yourself and say negative things. No one's going to like Let's that. Say, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> right? Like you do that to yourself 80, 90% of the time in the day. And you have no filter. Nobody say, hey, shut up. Don't say that. You just sit there and like sit in your own negativity. And it's not you purposefully feeling bad you, you could be totally happy, but it's just something that we naturally do is just shoot down our ideas to the point that we are used to it and don't even notice it. And so like that carries over whenever you actually try to go towards something and, and you know, do something like game design. Um, and so I found like when I read that, I really listened to my internal voice um, as I go through my tasks from day to day and I stop myself like you're not stupid you didn't there was a reason we thought that or mm-hmm. you know like why why do I feel this way like question that voice because you've probably been going years decades not questioning that voice and if you actually question your internal voice and and why you feel justified in thinking that you're not qualified to do something you know you'll find that they had no grounds to stand on they're just saying it because you let them I've now made a whole different person, but, um, <laughs> they, you know, that internal voice just sure. says things because you let it. So, you know, mm-hmm. don't let it have free reign um, and control, you know, how you tackle things because you can do it. You just have to, you know, be purposeful in what you do. And if you want to pursue game design or anything within the game industry, then just be purposeful about it. Look into the resources that are out there. And then if you can't find the resources, try multiple avenues of putting yourself out there until somebody, you know, sees you and, and can hopefully send you the right direction. Words of wisdom. We're going to close on that. That's beautiful. She's so wise. She's so she's good. So wise. My goodness. <laughs> All right. Oh, she's frozen. Oh no. She didn't, couldn't even take her compliment. <laughs> there you go. She's so Computer credit. Yes, I'm still here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked and Wise is going to be on Kickstarter. That is the project. We have more to come. Uh, this is the future of the industry, people. You know, uh, and I know I can't speak from any kind of authority. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of in a similar position, everything, but like, I guess I'm speaking half from just like hope and aspiration and half from just like looking at it and judging the fire. You know, I sensing like a lot of fire in the belly uh, and a lot of love for gaming. So this has to be, right? This has to be the future of gaming. Uh, so uh, Estefani Rodriguez, Vertessa Scott, uh, Vertessa Elise. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Vertessa Elise Scott. Yep. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having us. You- yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> if you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.